0: Welcome back, Literary Slummers, to another episode of Shelf Aware, the podcast where we are reading books outside of our comfort zone. I'm Em. And I'm Anna. So this week on Shelf Aware, we read the second book in
1: Em's Magical Realism Unit, Like Water for Chocolate by Laura Esquivel. But before we talk too much about the book and whether we liked it or what we thought about it, um, we do have to talk well, we don't have to, but we're choosing to because this is our podcast. <laughs> we're choosing to talk a little bit about the genre as a whole first. Um, I think magical realism is one of those that maybe a lot of people have heard of, but are kind of a little bit wishy-washy on what it means. I know I was before I like sure. read about it a little bit more. It's not one that I have a lot of familiarity with, um, but... Yeah, here's some knowledge <laughs> about to drop on you. <laughs> so, um, while a lot of people do um, credit Latin American authors for starting the magical realism, uh, magical realism in literature, the first usage of the term magic realism
0: was actually uh, used by a German man, Franz Roh. Hey, that's, that's the same as our, our last unit, Robinsonade. The Germans are just coming up with all these great terms. Thank like you left and right, dude.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess like in the 1920s, they had this new painting style called New Objectivity, which was a style that I guess was really accurate, but focused more on the magical nature of reality. I didn't look at any paintings that were painted <laughs> in this style, so I don't really know what that means. But that's where the
0: term was used. First. Well, that's fine, because this is an audio medium, so our listeners wouldn't be able to uh, look at them through this podcast anyway. This is true. So- this
1: is true. <laughs> so just everybody Google it. We'll We'll wait here. We'll give you like a brief moment to Google. And so now I hope you're looking at a painting. What's the term? Uh, new objectivity.
0: New objectivity. Oh, not what I was expecting. Okay, now I'm gonna Google it. <laughs> now,
1: now I have to know. Um. Oh. Ooh. Ew. I, sorry. Not you. Interesting. <laughs> I, that was what. Not what I was expecting either. <laughs> That, like, the third one there. The one with
0: the baby smoking
1: a bong? Oh, I was, like, the three people playing cards. Yeah, no. Where's the baby
0: smoking the, a bong? The guy on the, no, in that picture, the guy the guy on the right-hand side, if you're looking at it, looks like a baby smoking a bong to me. <laughs> like an alien baby. Oh, it's it's weird. It's all weird.
1: <laughs> anyway, now that we've all looked at that and have been unsettled... <laughs> Um, the, t- <laughs> the term so that was magic realism but then the term magical realo- realism was actually first used in 1955 and more describes the actual genre of literature um, so around the time of the Cuban revolution no that's a stupid way to say that <laughs> <laughs> why do I do these things why do I <laughs> you know I have to leave it in now no this is Around the time of the very serious Cuban revolution that I am, like, not making light of at all, I just sometimes like to say words in a certain way for some reason, there was a huge worldwide interest in Latin American literature and magical realism was actually one of the reasons why it was so popular. And it's kind of like... It's kind of like the snooty cousin of fantasy, right? Like, its main thing is it's like we're we're, we're literary fiction, not genre fiction. But weird shit's still going to happen in our books and we're not going to explain it. I <laughs>
0: felt like it was more the fun cousin of literary fiction. I thought it was more like, hey, you know my cousin, literary fiction, who's all serious and stuff? Well, <laughs> I'm related, but also people are going to fart themselves to death here. <laughs> Did you like read my notes before no. I
1: <laughs> did that we recorded? Because that is exactly what it says in my notes for that section.
0: It's very, very cool. A very important part of this book.
1: You guys <laughs> can't wait to get there. Um, <laughs> yes. So it's like, it's like too cool to hang out with literary fiction or like literary fiction is too uptight, mm-hmm. but then like fantasy is not cool enough. Yeah, so it's like
0: this weird middle ground. It's like Sandy and Grace after she put on the leather pants. Yes, <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> and honestly, yeah, they all got in a car and flew away at the end with no explanation. I mean, is Grace
0: magical realism?
1: Is is Grace? is Grace magical? Wait. Realism? Are all musicals magical realism? I mean. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. So we've got real world setting. Um, Fantasy elements like myths, fables, and fairy tales. So maybe like Into the Woods, but not.
0: (laughs) No, Into the Woods is straight fantasy,
1: though. That's true. Cats
0: Um, is magical realism. There you go. (laughs)
1: Uh, There's usually like an indifferent narrator who just accepts what's going on and pretends that nothing strange is happening whatsoever. Yeah. And there's also like a heightened awareness of mystery Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and sometimes political critique. And it's usually like against the elite or the dominant forces that be. And as we've kind of hinted in the past episode about magical realism, there's kind of some debate as to what can actually be called magical realism or what should be magical realism or who's allowed to, not allowed, but like who it's. Let me just get into it. So, <laughs> like I said, there's like this debate of literary fiction versus genre fiction. So, where exactly magical realism fits in there. And then also some people who say that like magical realism is just postmodernism. So, let's lump everybody together. Which mm, I think postmodernism is going to have to be. Another unit we do, because I got feelings about postmodernism. Anyway, um, but the bigger debate, I think, or the one that we were more concerned with was whether or not non-Latin American authors are culturally appropriating if they write in this style, Um, because the movement originated in Latin America and because it was popularized in countries that were colonized, it's kind of like used as a voice of the oppressed. So if... Like, I know, like, more modern magical realism that you see written today is written by white authors. And so there's this question of, like, does should it count? They, should they call it magical realism or should they just call it surrealism or... Fabulism. Was- fabulism, yes. Where do you land? What do you think? I, you know, I kind of, after reading this book, um, and especially compared to Skellig... Mm-hmm. I do feel like there was a little bit more weight and a little bit and, and that might have just been because the authors were very different and had very different backgrounds and things too. But I felt there was something about like Water for Chocolate that made this feel more authentic than it did in Skellig.
0: Yeah, I I felt reading this um, that it was a lot more similar to like Beloved by Toni Morrison which I know we've talked about before uh, in regards to like that sometimes considered magical realism. So I think yes. kind of like you're saying that there's like a certain quality to those where it is talking about like systems of power that mm-hmm. wasn't really present in Skellig. Like Skellig is more, you know, like there's systems of power, but like in terms of like youth versus age, right? Rather than yeah. like structural power so I think Mm -hmm. I do kind of feel like that kind of has to be part of it to really be magical realism and like Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that no white person from like a non-colonized culture can ever write a book about that but like Mm -hmm. also I think if um we've learned anything from recent uh god what was that the freaking book that just came out you know which one I'm talking oh, about? Oh,
1: the American dirt. Yeah, Earth, American dirt. Yeah,
0: like white people need to like maybe chill and think about it before trying.
1: Yes, very fair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot to be said for the political critique aspect of it. That I think, um, I don't know. It kind of adds like some some satire to some some like i don't know there's just like this and then like if you've read like the night circus or what's her other book starless sea Mm -hmm. by aaron morgenstern which are also considered magical realism or i don't know just like those i i would have i would struggle i guess for me to call them magical realism as opposed to putting them under some other umbrella but I hate to be like a whole genre of literature is off limits to people. <laughs> right. It's
0: weird because it's like you don't want to be exclusionary about it, but it's also mm-hmm. like people kind of need to stay in their lane. Like, yeah, when you're mm-hmm. writing about something that especially when it's something like th- it's kind of like La La Land, right? Where it's like a whole movie about jazz. From oh, my the God. Perspective yes. Of white people. Right. Like, yeah, 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 I this is something that sprang up in such a specific culture that it does it I I'm not saying nothing else can ever be magical realism but I'm saying like I do I do think that we need to like be very cognizant I guess of Mm -hmm. the the culture and political influence that these writers are dealing with yes yeah Mm -hmm. I agree Anyway, we're probably uh, not going to talk about the political stuff too much in the actual book. Yeah, this book has a lot of stuff going on that is just, like, real bizarro. And
1: I, in my opinion, very good. I don't know. Um, I, I enjoyed this book immensely. What did, what did you think about it?
0: Um, okay, so... I think I was... Mm, all right. So... <laughs> I don't know if I liked it. I found it very moving. Like I... Yes, I would agree with that. And I thought it was a good book. Um, Mm -hmm. I disliked a lot of the characters a lot. And that... True. ...is sometimes a problem. So I feel like I... I liked Gertrudis. Oh yeah, she was baller. But I feel like I landed more on the like side of this. I don't know if this is like one of my favorite books of all time, but I definitely would not hesitate to recommend this. With that kind of in mind, Mm -hmm. who would you recommend this for?
1: I feel like I would recommend it to um, people who like those kind of quiet family dramas, Mm -hmm. I think. This book kind of markets itself as a romance. I don't really find it to be so. I don't think there's a happily ever after here at the end, but that could be open to interpretation, I guess. But um, if you you like a family drama, if you like kind of that just over-the-top exaggerated relationships with people that it's almost like soap Mm opera-esque but I don't really like that comparison because I don't want to like stereotype the Telemundo kind of you know
0: I (laughs) I, I think (laughs) that there is something to be said about that sort of um level of like I'm trying to I'm trying to formulate words here um like insular emotional drama being like played on a big scale right like where it's like these very exploded versions of emotions does that make sense like where it's like yes maybe stuff that we've all kind of felt but like boom like just pushed out to the extreme right Mm -hmm. Mm
1: Hmm. yeah I these characters are definitely very larger than life yeah
0: which I think mm-hmm. is, is the comparison there with a soap opera, right? Where it's like... Yes, yeah.
1: And I think I meant telenovela and not Telemundo. Telemundo's the
0: channel. You did. mean I that. I did. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> but yeah, I you do get a lot of like character archetypes and just, I don't know. I I I really, really enjoyed this though. I gave this the out of five stars on Goodreads, but I think I... I liked it a lot mm. more than that. Maybe I should maybe I should change that reflection. But yeah, so if you like that kind of thing, if if you are very much into this bombastic nature of this book.
0: Yeah. If you like cooking, there's a lot of cooking mm, stuff too. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But you said you wouldn't recommend it? No, I said it? I wouldn't hesitate to recommend it. Oh, okay, um, okay, okay. <laughs> I think this is a pretty generally like, like I said, I think this is a good book. Whether or not yeah. you personally like it, you know, it can go either way. But like, There's some books that we've read that I've enjoyed that I'm like, eh, it's not a good book, though. And there's, like, this. I'm like, no, this is a good book. This is well-written. It's well-crafted. That's true. Yeah, it is a good product. So, like, from that aspect, I wouldn't hesitate to recommend it in general. But, like, I think specifically if you are – and I would like to now that I've read the book because I try not to read too much, like, critique or, like, reviews before we talk about it because I don't want that to flavor what I'm going to say. But, like Mm – I would be interested to read, like, some feminist critique of this because I think that it's, like, really interesting from a feminist perspective of, like, the sort of women being confined to boxes by other women and sort of, like, how Mm. that plays out and how that is due to the patriarchal structure that they're in, Mm -hmm. the way that it's, like, kind of, like, enforced – not misogyny, but enforced, like, interior internalized, uh, yeah, kind of misogyny. Like, internal, not, well, in like. Maybe not, like, maybe, like, internalized patriarchy
1: as opposed to misogyny. Yeah, like,
0: internalized patriarchy where it's, yeah. like, the people doing it to each other are all women. But the reasons mm-hmm. they're doing it are because of the structure that they're in, you know? So, like, from yes. that aspect, I found it, like, really, really interesting. Um, so if you're into yeah. that sort of shit, like you'd probably like this book. Mhm. Yeah, I thought it, I thought it had a
1: lot of interesting layers to that sort of commentary mm-hmm. as well. They were just like a few little like almost throwaway moments where I was like, "Oh wow, that's, you know, like for a book written in 1989, yeah. that's, Hmm. very cool." Um, but I guess yeah, we can we can kind of get into the actual summary Let's of the do book it. to the best of our abilities. This one um I guess just kind of due to the nature of it, you just kind of got to go along with what happens mm-hmm. and just be like, all right. Well, I, I think it might be good to start by talking about the structure of it, right? Yes. Yeah. So a story is told in 12 chapters, one for each month of the year, though it doesn't take place over the course of the year. It takes place over the course of like 20-ish years yeah. or something.
0: The the bulk of it takes place over the course of like three years, I think. And then there's like a time jump to 22 years yeah. later.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, and each chapter starts with a recipe that um, Tita, the main character, is like making in that chapter, and it kind of shows how it like relates to what's happening to her. And um, it, it there's a lot of like cooking instructions mm-hmm. within the chapter as well, and I really I really enjoyed that aspect. I can see like some people might kind of be annoyed. Being like, okay, I don't want to read about how
0: like long you have to chop up hazelnuts or whatever. But it's a lot um, like now if you go on any recipe blog, yes. that, <laughs> yes. yeah, that's like. <laughs> Let me tell you about the time that my husband uh, wanted steak, but we had no steak in the house. So I made him this broccoli and it tastes exactly like steak. And it was a cold, sunny. It was a cold, sunny day out, like where it's just like a lot of stuff you don't care about. But if all of that was stuff you cared about, because the story is actually interesting. (laughs) And also written a lot better than your average yeah. recipe blog. Which again, recipe <laughs> bloggers can do. I I land firmly on the side of recipe bloggers can do whatever the hell they want with their own blog. Yes. But you know, it, yes, it, I sometimes agree. I do just doesn't take get, long to scroll. I do just want to get the, to that recipe. <laughs> uh,
1: so Tita is a 15 year old girl who lives with her mother, Mama Elena, <laughs> who's a, the worst. And- The absolute worst. And her sisters, Gertrudis and Rosara.
0: One of whom is also the worst and one of whom is the best.
1: Yes, Gertrudis is like Mm -hmm. my personal hero. She's so amazing.
0: (laughs) Her story is so good. (laughs) Uh,
1: She, uh, Tita has always had a connection to the kitchen because she was born in one. I guess her, her mama Elena was pregnant, like six months pregnant with her and was chopping onions and the smell of the onions was so pungent that it made the tita in the womb cry so much that she just like gave birth to her well the mom gave birth to her and um so she's always loved food in the kitchen and everything and she spends a lot of time there with the family chef nacha who um, passes down these traditional recipes that we're reading about in the book so, Tita falls in love with her neighbor, Pedro. Pedro should, is a fuckboy. <laughs> this whole relationship infuriated
0: oh, me. Oh, it was terrible. To no end. It was terrible it and was I hated awful. it. It was one of the I hated it so much. One of the main things that I had an issue with in this book that it, like kept me from enjoying this book as fully as I might mm-hmm. have was like I was like, but he's bad and garbage, though.
1: Yes. He's just like a jealous, possessive asshole right? and like how
0: old is he supposed to be
1: i don't know i imagine like a few years older than her maybe yeah i
0: put a, i pegged him at like mid-20s just because i was like well that's probably around the time a guy would get married at this time right like yeah but jesus i'm just like dude you need to take several chill pills i don't understand why tita likes him it's I don't very upsetting especially as things go on and like Especially as she develops other relationships with other people. Much better relationships with much better people. There's a right answer and a (laughs) wrong answer here. You chose the wrong one. (laughs) Like I'm usually very like anytime that there is a love triangle in a Mm -hmm. book or movie or media property, I'm usually like whoever, you know, the person chooses is the right choice, obviously, for them. Because it's like just because we might think the one person is better, you know, they might love certain things about the other person Mm -hmm. you know like we have to respect the characters choices even though they're fictional but like no I didn't respect Tita's choice in this at all this was the worst the worst ending to a love triangle I've Mm -hmm. ever read Mm -hmm. I think god (laughs) there were so many off ramps there were so many off ramps she could have taken
1: so many I liked the one where she's just like I'm just gonna leave everybody
0: like that's your best choice Tita just do that that's what I wanted I wanted Tita like To go be alone for a while. And like. Yes. Have her eat, pray, love moment. You know? Not that I've read that book. But I think I get the general gist. (laughs) So,
1: So. Pedro goes to ask Mama Elena for Tita's hand in marriage. And Mama Elena's like. No. Tita is my youngest daughter. And so traditionally it's her responsibility to stay home and care for me until I die. And. that's not gonna change ever deal with it also here's my other daughter Rosara who is not my youngest why don't you marry her and
0: Pedro's like okay okay Pedro's like okay and then there's like the conversation with his father or whatever where and this is why Pedro is so shit right because it's like he spins it like this was a great idea that he had. It's <laughs> the dumbest fucking idea. He's like, "Well," it. And to be to be fair, this conversation may or may not have been somewhat made up by Nacha, but it is essentially true. Um, yeah. He's like, "Oh, I want to be around Tita, and the only way that I can do that is marrying her sister. So I'm gonna do that. It's a great idea. We can be in love forever. It's like." What
1: the fuck is that? That's shit? a bad
0: plan, a very that bad is, plan. That is
1: very awful to everybody involved. You're basically, and we all know, one of my least favorite things to read about or watch: cheating. Hate it. I hate when people do a cheat.
0: You're you're just getting married to do a cheat. You're, <laughs> and I will say, I do, I do give some leeway to doing a cheat when it is a historical cheat because of the. You know pressures around marriage, and not everyone could marry who they mm-hmm. wanted to marry. And marriage wasn't really for love; it was for making babies, which is very much the case with Pedro and Rosar. What is her name, mm-hmm. Rosara? Rosara, Rosara. Um, Rosara, maybe. But like, I I do feel like there is a difference between being pressured to get married to someone you don't love, and then finding someone else that you do love, and like trying to deal with those emotions yeah. versus. Being in love with one sister and wanting to fuck that sister and then marrying and fucking the other sister so that you can possibly have a potential to fuck the first sister. Like, that's bad. Oh, my God. It's not good. It's, it's disgusting.
1: It's so frustrating. I mean, here are some solutions, Pedro. Tell Mama Elena to fuck off. Don't marry Rosario. Number
0: one. Run away with Tita. Who's going to stop you? Which this comes up later in the book. They're like, oh, we should have done that. And it's never really resolved. They're kind of like, no, yeah, yeah we should have. But they don't like no one gives an explanation why they didn't. I guess like it's kind of implied it's just because <laughs> Pedro's a coward. But like. Extremely. And I and
1: Tita does feel like this, like deep-seated obligation to Mama Elena as well, that she just can't shake, which, you know, if you're groomed to be that way. And
0: I feel like it could have been really easily, like, explained as, like, a money issue of, like, Mm -hmm. Rosara's set to inherit the ranch, and, you know, if Pedro and Tito ran away, like, they'd have no money and they'd be impoverished, right? Like, they could have Mm -hmm. brought that up, but they're just kind of like, oh, yeah, we could have done that, but we didn't. And it's like... yeah.
1: Our book of manners told us not to do that, which is like a big thing in this book, because they keep referencing this book of
0: manners. And like the perception of the community, right?
1: Yeah. So fast forward to the wedding. Tita and Nacha are preparing the wedding cake for Pedro and Rosario. And Tita is so sad that she ends up crying into the icing of the cake. And her tears infuse the cake with a big sad. (laughs) And (laughs) Nacha like... Tastes it on the sly and she has to like retire to her room for the evening. She's so overwhelmed with emotion. And at the wedding, Pedro embraces Tita and whispers into her ear the only reason he agreed to marry Rosara was because this was the only way you could think of to remain close to Tita, blah, 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 blah. Um, but the much better thing that happens during the wedding is that because the cake is so full of Tita's sadness, Everyone who eats it is extremely saddened and then begins to vomit uncontrollably.
0: I believe at one point it's described as, like, rivers of vomit, which is great.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's just, like, (laughs) such a good way to, like, get back at your sister who married your sweetheart. But, like, (laughs) it's so gross also.
0: (laughs) It also sets up, like, kind of Mama Elena and Tita's... Contentious relationship as the years go on, especially towards the end, where like Mama Elena is like, "You fucking poisoned the cake," and like Tita's yeah. like, "No, I just cried into it," and of course Mama Elena does not believe this because that's yeah ridiculous thing to say.
1: It is it is <laughs> Mama Elena did not realize she was mm-hmm. in a magical realism novel. <laughs> Tita's just over here like it was my, it tears. Was my tears that did this, uh, and and uh, sadly Nacha can't back her up because. She died in her sleep from the sad. Yeah. So, fast forward a little more. Pedro and Rosara have a son named Roberto. Rosara does not have any breast milk to feed her son with. And so she gives him to Tita to feed in the kitchen. She's like, I don't know, feed him gruel
0: or or soup or something which is like things you definitely don't feed a newborn but they were really into the idea of feeding the baby tea which i think is what Tito was fed but like tea has caffeine right like that's not good for babies
1: yeah yeah (laughs) but it's okay because through magical realism trickery tita starts to produce her own breast milk uh, needed for Roberto to eat. And so she becomes very attached to Roberto and kind of treats him as her own child, um, especially because Rosara had complications with her birth. And so she is uh, sequestered away
0: <laughs> for the first few weeks. And so Pedro is also also the only one to see Tita breastfeeding baby Roberto. And is. so his love for her is just like, damn, that's my woman feeding my kid with her titty in his mouth love it love everything about it so we're so Pedro's very into the whole situation (laughs) honestly i think pedro was just like oh yeah tits (laughs) there is literally a line about like after the kids like pops off her boob pedro like stares at it and it's like he saw what he had only seen before through her clothes and it's like yeah okay we get it pedro likes boobs (laughs) well specifically Tita's boobs because like that's the other thing with him and Rosara is that they have a very loveless and sexless marriage where they only have sex through the the nuptial sheet yes
1: where he can't see any of her body whatsoever there's just hole in it
0: (laughs) for the the important parts (laughs)
1: yes (laughs) wow (laughs) like Rosara gets so like shit on on this book and like yeah it sucks that Pedro and Tita couldn't get married like they wanted to. But do we honestly believe that Rosara, if she had said, no, I don't want to marry Pedro, Mama Elena
0: would have been like, okay. Well, again, this is like a thing that gets brought up later in the book where it kind of like retroactively makes it seem like Rosara was making poor decisions. But like at the time, mm-hmm. definitely, it, it, they. we don't get much of Rosara's interiority, right? Like later on mm-hmm. when they finally have the big talk She's kind of like, fuck you, fuck your whole life. You are supposed to (laughs) serve your mother, and my daughter's going to serve her mother, and like, fuck everything. I do what I want. Pedro's mine, right? Like, there is Uh kind of that vibe later, but yeah, definitely at the time, it's kind of, it does kind of seem like Rosara's just the unfortunate bystander to all this. Yes, yeah. So it's really hard to root for Tita and Pedro mm-hmm. in these sections. I just... This is also where our boy John first shows up, right? Because he shows up to yes. check on Rosara. Because he's mm-hmm. a doctor. Ladies. And he
1: claps eyes on Tita and he's like, damn,
0: she's hot now. <laughs> he's like, damn, that 17-year-old is fine. Which was the thing that was in this book <laughs> and I had to kind of wrap my head around that this is what we're
1: doing oh but hey they were gonna wait till she yeah. was 18 to get yeah. married so bless <laughs> um <laughs> so the sexual tension between pedro and tita comes to a head when tita prepares a dish at home that she accidentally infuses with her love for pedro and her blood and- in like- her blood. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Gross. <laughs> she cut her finger and she just kept cooking with her
0: bloody finger. No, and it was, it was from the, the roses, right? That she like hugged to her. Wait, was this a different yes. dish? Hold on. There's mm-hmm. the one where she's cooking with the roses and she like hugs the roses. And.
1: Oh, I think that's the first one. Okay, I think okay. the roses. I'm, is mixed, the first I'm mixing one. up dishes, but
0: she bled in that one too.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Girl is not very sanitary in the kitchen. I would hesitate to eat mm-hmm. her food. Uh- <laughs> So she makes this super love food with her super love roses that Pedro brings her. And everyone's sitting down to eat it, except for when Gertrudis eats it. She is overcome with the sexual energy that Tita has infused in this food. And she gets massively horny. She just becomes the horniest. <laughs> she runs outside, takes off all her clothes, like she tries to take a shower. To to get rid of the sexual energy, but she just ends up setting the shower on fire because it's like a wooden structure outside. Just
0: super horny. The
1: yes, dangerously horny. Dangerously horny. <laughs> <laughs> so she runs out into the fields, and there is a revolutionary soldier there named Juan, who, upon seeing her, takes her on his horseback, and they have some horseback sex. Nice. Nice. (laughs) Like, later, it's revealed that Gertrudis is like, they had a ton of sex until she wore out Juan, but, like, she still, she still was so horny that she went to go find work in a brothel until she felt sexually satisfied. And then after that, she just decided to become the general of the Revolutionary Army. Well, not the general, but a general in the army. (laughs) She's like, super badass. (laughs) she was like i'm a woman but i still crave sex and i'm gonna i'm gonna get and it and then she ends up married going to get paid she for ends it. up married to the
0: first guy that she fucked on the horse True. she's like well, yeah now that i'm all done fucking my way through everything let's go ahead and you know have a nice family unit and it works out great for her mm-hmm. gertrudis is like a feminist icon and yes honestly <laughs> <laughs> she yeah i would i would i want her story i, know, right? I really do i feel like it It was good as a side story. I don't know if I would want to read the whole book because I feel like there would just be a lot of, like... A lot of sex scenes. And the sex scenes in this weren't great. But maybe that's because it was mainly Pedro and not a fan. disgusting.
1: (laughs) So after this, Mama Elena sends Pedro, Rosara, and Roberto to live with her cousin in San Antonio, Texas. And while there because he's away from tita's breast milk roberto dies very sad and got to get that titty um <laughs> tita sinks into a deep depression cuz yeah she blames mama elena for roberto's death cuz yeah and then gets naked and goes and goes to hide in the place where they keep their doves cuz yeah of course that's what you would
0: do yeah <laughs> all logical decisions, as far as I am concerned. I've done it. We've, we've all, all done all it. Gotten naked and hidden in a dovecot. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and tried to and tried because all of the doves got like eaten by the army, except for the one, which is like a baby dove, and she just keeps trying to feed it until she overfeeds it and she dies, and she just keeps stuffing worms down its throat. Oh, it's Pretty just, fucked up. It's but we've brutal. all been there. We've all. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man, <It's> 100% relatable. <laughs> uh, Mama Elena calls Dr. John Brown up and he's she's like, "Take Tita away to an insane asylum. I want her committed." But John is like, "I'm going to take her home and care for her." Which a little bit I was like, it's you're kind of taking advantage of the
0: situation. No, I was so into but it, but also I was so into it. It was worse. It was best case scenario though. As we have discussed before, I have a massive like thing for like caring for your sick significant other in books. Like that's like my mm-hmm. favorite thing. So like this whole setup of like her being like crazy and him being like I'm going to nurse her back to health. I was like, yes. Who cares about consent? <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, this truly was the best part of the book, in my opinion. Like, the 20 pages where they were, like, becoming a thing. It was great. And she was seeing the ghost of his dead grandmother. And... Yes. (laughs) Yes. Which she didn't realize until,
1: like, the very end. And then she, like, never thought to... Well, she wasn't talking. That's why she didn't mention it. Right. Like, (laughs) she had... She just, like, refused to talk for three months because she didn't want to. And that was, like, her first... She... Her first step in like getting away from Mama Elena's control, she made this decision for herself that she wasn't going to speak for three months. Whatever. But.
0: Okay, and then John was like, came up with this whole thing of like, you write down in phosphorus on the wall what mm-hmm. why you won't talk, and I'll figure it out like through magic. But of course, he's like, oh, really? It's just a glow it's in just the dark the science. So like, yeah, <laughs> she does that, and he reads it, and it's I don't want to, and he's like, cool, yeah. awesome. Got it. He is totally fine with it. John is John too is good so for this. Good. Book.
1: Oh my god! And he just like he just talks to her all day long. He's like, this is the science I'm doing, and these are the things I want to find out. And this this is the history of my grandmother, who we learn out at the end of this chapter is actually dead, even though Tita was like sitting with her and silently communicating with her this whole time, but. It's and and you just it's It's good. so good.
0: It is super so awesome. I will throw a bucket of water on this though by pointing out again that um John is fully a doctor who went to a medical school presumably and then got married and then that wife died and it's been like 5 years mm-hmm. cuz that kid's like now 5 year old. So he's whatever mm-hmm. age that would be appropriate for and Tita is 17. <laughs> is yeah,
1: she is
0: still I a child, will, you know. <laughs> Cool us down a little bit on the Jean situation. (laughs) It's easy to forget when you're reading it, though, because...
1: No, that's going to make me sound like an apologist
0: for pedophiles everywhere. I mean, different Um, times, different times. People got married younger. She's just not like other girls her age. Well, I mean, like, legit. Like, people did get married younger then. So it's like seeing us... I mean, Pedro was going to marry her when she was 13. So it's like, like, it's totally
1: fine. Better than that. (laughs) Um and, and the, uh, ignoring her age I guess if you can <laughs> she does have these moments where she's like maybe this is true love maybe what John and I are developing is you know these feelings of contentment and safety and reliability are better than just like the fact that I want to fuck Pedro's brains out
0: like <laughs> maybe I shouldn't be this hung up on a guy that I met when I was 15 and was like the only guy yeah. I'd ever talked to maybe like everyone just
1: stop and imagine that you married your high school's mm. boyfriend no. or girlfriend no. and that was it Tito and john decide to get married yay and the end of the book the end of the book the end uh but pedro and rosara arrive home to the ranch to complicate matters john goes to retrieve his aunt who lives in the u.s and he wants her at- did we mention this book takes place in mexico
0: Yes, and we also skipped a major plot point, which Mama one? Elena bites the dust.
1: Oh yes, yeah, Mama Elena <laughs> dies, y'all. I totally forgot. Mama Elena dies because she didn't trust Tita to cook for her because she because she thought Tita wanted to kill her, but no one else in this entire village would. Agree to be her chef for longer than a few days because Mama Elena was a horrendously awful person. This is
0: after Mama Elena and the other servant, whose name I forget, are attacked in their home by.
1: Yeah. And like Mama Elena's like
0: paralyzed or something. Like she's incapacitated. Yes. yes, And the other servant is raped and then she is trying to get over that and it's a whole mess. Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. That is really glossed over, isn't it?
0: Yeah, kind of. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, (laughs) Um,
1: so in order to combat the poison that she's sure Tita is putting in her food, she's taking Ipecac with every meal
0: or before every meal or after every meal. meal? I don't
1: know. But anyways, that kills her. Mama Elena fucking dies and everyone's like,
0: yay. (laughs) But her ghost sticks around. So that's fun. Uh, Yeah.
1: Her ghost does live there for a while. Um, so yeah, she's dead and John is gone. Um, he went to the U.S. to get his aunt, who he wants to be at the wedding, because that's his only family. And while he is gone, Tita and Pedro fuck a lot. In, like, Mama Elena's special room. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <It's> like, you. <ew.
0: laughs> There's a lot of, not Oedipus Complex, I guess we don't have a term for, like, or did, not Daddy Complex either, when it's, like mother complex, I guess, but I feel like that more applies mm. to, like, guys who have issues with their mom, you know? Yeah, or,
1: like, very mommy dearest. Yeah, I don't there's, know. there's
0: a lot of weird psychosexual stuff going on here.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I want to delve too much into that <laughs> for fear of what
0: we will uncover.
1: She's <laughs> like, it's not great. But anyway, Tita begins to fear she's pregnant after a few weeks because her tummy is very swollen and she has not had her period. They've only been fucking for like a month and her belly is already very like pregnant looking Mm. which i'm like
0: that's no but okay i mean to be fair (laughs) she's like a teenager who hasn't had sex ed so like sex ed wasn't a thing then so (laughs) sure instantly
1: pregnant with a huge baby um gertrudis comes home for a holiday and tita reveals all of her woes to her and gertrudis is like you have to fight for pedro and everyone's like no just let him go but gertrudis like sees pedro lurking around outside the kitchen and so she somehow like times it so that tita reveals that she is pregnant with his child right when he walks into the kitchen
0: i think gertrudis literally just shouts it when he he's like because it's gertrudis who says it like Pedro oh, okay, walks yeah. in and she's like tita you must tell pedro you're pregnant with his child there he is, right behind you. Oh, Pedro, I didn't see you there. My sister has something <laughs> to talk to you about. And then, like, leaves. Farewell. <laughs> Ms. Gertrudis,
1: get shit done. This is true. This is very true. She is a woman of business. <laughs> so they have a talk that amounts to nothing. And that evening, he gets drunk and serenades Tita outside her window. And who comes a-knocking but the ghost of Mama Elena? <laughs> shows up and she's like, Tita, you and that unborn child of yours are cursed. And you guys are just like stupid fucking bitches. (laughs) And Tita's like, no, I hate you. And I always have. Be gone.
0: That does
1: it. And it does it. Yeah, her revealing those feelings for Mama Elena's ghost is enough to make her like dissipate into the ether. And also it makes Tita get her period. And she's like, oh, I'm not pregnant.
0: Man, I wish that the ghosts that live in my house were that easy to get rid of. I know. <laughs> Those ghosts that are only there for the 10 minutes before you fall asleep. Oh. <laughs> no, no. They're very specific
1: ghosts. <laughs> uh, but on the way out, the ghost is like, you thought, and then she causes Pedro to go up in flames.
0: <laughs> Good.
1: <laughs> Which, and then the book ended.
0: <laughs> Another offer <laughs>
1: Another great way for this book to have ended, uh, but no. Tita decides to tend to Pedro every day, which causes Rosara much jealousy.
0: And I think is it at this point? Do they have they had their daughter yet? Yeah, I'm pretty sure because I think at this point Rosara like tries to withhold her from. Okay, Tita. yes, that's right. Yeah, so
1: yeah, so somewhere in all of this, they have a daughter named Esperanza, and um. They, they also have this conversation where Rosara is like, you can have his love and you guys can fucking see her, but I am his wife in public and if it ever gets out what you are doing, I will absolutely ruin you and also, you are not allowed to talk to my daughter anymore.
0: Yeah, and she also, like, brings up the whole thing where she's like, oh, I'll be fine because I have a youngest daughter now and so she will take care of me just like you were supposed to take care of Mama Elena and I will continue this bad, stupid tradition and tita is understandably horrified by the fact that her sister wants her dot her tita's niece to suffer in the same way that tita did
1: yes yes and like pedro and she become like a united front against rosara to argue against doing this um but ultimately it doesn't matter because rosara dies from
0: farting too much rosara just dies from farts and this is (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a continued just like Rosara really just got the short end of the stick in this book because the other thing about Rosara is that um, sometimes she gains a lot of weight and then the book just mm-hmm. makes fun of her for how fat and hideous she is which is really it was kind fun. kind of very sad. It was a lot of fat shaming <laughs> Rosara in this book and it was weird. Yeah
1: so like whenever she's at the ranch she gains weight really quickly but then when she leaves she loses it again and then she comes back and she gains it all back but then she's like She goes into like seclusion for a week for some reason and she loses 65 pounds in one week. And it's
0: always 65 because they say like right during the birth she gained 60 or like the first pregnancy she gained 65 pounds and then she loses 65 pounds. And it's like I feel like the fact that it's specifically 65 is some sort of like political commentary on something. And I don't know what like if someone smart could tell me what the significance of 65 is in this book, that'd be great. Someone do the math. Tell us. It was like, I maybe Esquivel just kind of was like going to have it be 69 as nice. like a funny thing. And then someone was like, you you can't do that. And so she like had to chop off. A few this tops. is
1: highbrow literature. You cannot <laughs> highbrow, have a 69 joke. Highbrow
0: literature in which someone farts themselves to death. Farts to death. <laughs> Yeah, her cause
1: of death is, like, indigestion from farting too much. But it, like,
0: goes into explicit detail about how much she farts and how smelly it is.
1: She smelled so bad that no one would come to her funeral also. (laughs) It's extremely sad. Um, Also, John came back within all of this, and as they're sitting down to dinner, the three of them, John, his aunt, and Tita, Tita says in Spanish, because the aunt is definitely speaks english. Dita tells him, uh, I've had sex with Pedro a lot and he's like, I mean, it's fine, virginity is a construct. I'll still marry you if you have me. <laughs> Which on one hand I'm like, cool, yes, like virginity is a construct. Who gives a shit if she's had sex before? But then on the other hand I'm also like she didn't cheat on you. It's okay to be a little bit mad. Well, okay. So let's...
0: <laughs> is it really cheating if it's, like, this time period where it's, like, unless you're married? You know? Like, it's, like, they relationships, were intended. relationships don't exist before marriage. Like, I think that, that I, Tita yeah. does refer to Pedro as her boyfriend. Like, she's, like, you married my boyfriend to her sister. Yeah. But, like, for the most part, it's pretty much, like, either you're, like, not a thing or you're, like, engaged to be married where there's kind of an understanding or you're married, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. I, I can see John's point of view. I just really like John and want to excuse him I of do the sure. stupidity is the thing. He's pretty much like, it's cool. You should pick whoever you love and who you want to yeah. be with for the rest of your life. And I'm just like, yes, John, another feminist icon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's,
1: he's so thoughtful and tito's like oh man i am really this is i am overwhelmed by his kindness i'm starting to have some doubts about pedro
0: but i'm not gonna marry him (laughs) i'm not gonna marry john the way this is written was so clever because then it gets into the next chapter where it is later revealed that it's a time skip to like 20 years later after azara has died But the way Mm -hmm. it's phrased makes it seem like first that Tita... It could be her. Yeah, because it's like, oh, Tita's getting ready for a wedding, right? And it seems like, oh, it's Tita and John first. And then it Mm kind of seems like it's Tita and Pedro, but then it's like actually neither of those.
1: Yes, yes. It's actually the wedding of Esperanza, who's Pedro and Rosara's daughter, to Alex, John's son, who... I guess like earlier in the book when he first saw Esperanza
0: he's like oh, I'm going to marry that girl and then he did so I'm going to marry that baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean and and in that moment it's like he says that and then Rosara's like no you're not because she's going to care for me yeah. and be my slave baby forever which is And like, everyone hated it. So that. it's like it's good that like like I get the the um point of like it being Alex specifically mm-hmm. who ends up marrying her because it's like showing that the cycle has broken and whatever but at the same yes. time it was kind of weird that this five year old was like I'm gonna marry that baby
1: yeah <laughs> how do you understand marriage five year old whatever mm. um at the wedding Pedro proposes to Tita because he's like I would hate to die without having married you even though we just been fucking this whole time yeah <laughs> So, <laughs> that night, after all the wedding guests leave, because they're all having sex because Tita put her love for Pedro in the cooking again, and it was another mega just aphrodisiac. just made them horny. People were literally having sex just every, anywhere. Anywhere they could. <laughs> um, Tita and Pedro have sex so good that Pedro just dies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they have sex really good, and there's a moment where where Tita's like... I'm about to die because the sex is so good. And then yes. she, like, comes back to herself. And then she, like, looks over and, like, Pedro's dead. And she's like, shit. Should have died with him, I guess. He went without me. Why didn't I just let go? Um, But
1: she's like, it's okay because I have a plan. Well, she doesn't really have a plan. But what ends up happening is... So earlier in the book, John had this comment about, like, someone will light a match for you and will create a passion in you and, like, everything will... Turn white and you'll know you're dying. I don't know. Something, something along those lines. There is some symbolism behind creating heat within yourself, passion within yourself in order to live. I don't know. Um, anyway. Tita's like, I gotta light these matches inside of me. So she eats a bunch of candles and she's like, I'm still not hot enough. So she pulls out this big blanket. She's been crocheting a blanket through this whole book um, for the past however many years this book has been taking place. She has been crocheting one blanket and it is so big that it covers the whole ranch. And she gets underneath it and I guess her love for Pedro is so much now that she's able to like set the flames of her heart and... It lights the blanket on fire and Tita dies and the whole ranch goes up in flames.
0: And it burns for a week. It burns <laughs> for a week. <laughs> and everybody's That's like, a oh, heavy cool, duty blanket. cool fireworks to celebrate the wedding. And then it's literally like, they kind of thought that maybe wasn't it after a week.
1: <laughs> after a week! <laughs> <laughs> Idiots. <laughs> oh. and everything burned down but the cookbook. And it turns out this whole story was being told from Esperanza's point of view. No,
0: Esperanza's kid. Esperanza's daughter's yeah. point of view. Because yeah. she came back to the ranch and like ate the fruit that grew there because it was the most, most fertile soil. And it's yeah. all very meaningful. Because of sex. And it definitely did make me tear up. But like Aww. talking about it now, it does kind of seem a little ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So,
1: yeah, that's it. That's that's like water for chocolate. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So... In reading this book, mm-hmm. this more traditional example of magical realism, yes. what do you dislike about the genre? What do you like about the genre? What do you want to see in the future from this genre?
0: Okay. Um, I liked kind of the stuff we already talked about. Like, I liked the, like, emotions and the interpersonal connections. You know that's the shit that I like anyway, right? It's yes. like, yes. I don't really care about the plot. I just want everybody to, like, cry about each other. Like, that's really all I want. <laughs> um Angst, angst, Yeah, angst. a lot of angst. I would like for less teenage wives. That would be good.
1: Fair, uh, fair.
0: <laughs> I would like less garbage love interests. If it is going to be a okay. romance sort of thing, I would like to, so if you could somehow vet it to make sure the love interest doesn't entirely is, suck. Um, yes, I'll do my best. I liked... The, like, kind of longer time period. So that was cool. Like, I like that it was over, you know, 20-some mm-hmm. years. Um, mm-hmm. I like the format. If you could find something with another weird format like this. Um I did, too. That was very unique, yeah. wasn't it? But I'm trying to think of more stuff that I disliked, since that's kind of the thing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was mainly just the specific characters in this that I disliked. So, I mean, like presumably whatever other book you pick isn't going to have tita and pedro in it so it should be fine
1: (laughs) already a
0: winner oh my god i
1: hated them so much they were very stupid
0: well what you've been reading um i haven't read it recently but this kind of put me in mind of and this uh, well see i'm gonna say this and it's like oh just because they're both latinx authors but it's like that's not why um (laughs) But how the Garcia girls lost their accents by Julia Alvarez. Um, actually, I think okay. I might have recommended this already. Did I? I don't know. It doesn't sound familiar, but maybe. Okay. It's like about, uh, it's kind of like a family drama as well, with like this family that, um, comes to the U.S. during the revolution in the Dominican Republic. Um, Mm-hmm. It also takes place over several years, and there's, like, this family drama aspect to it, but it's also, like, really interesting because it's told, if I'm remembering correctly, it's, like, each chapter is from one of the daughter's viewpoints. It's, like, written in, I think, like, reverse chronological order, so it starts um, in the, like, 80s and then moves back in time to, like, oh, when they cool. first immigrated. Again, like, kind of like an in- interesting structure and like kind of the relationship focused I guess vibe that's Mm -hmm. really what I like in uh literature literary type books so yeah that's gonna be my pick for this week how about you that sounds good um I
1: read this book also uh right before I read like water for chocolate so it's very fresh in the mind but it does have some connections in which there is like a kind of secret relationship that is taking place Mm -hmm. throughout the whole book. But um, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid um, is a book about a famous famous Hollywood starlet, like golden era Hollywood Mm -hmm. starlet who is at the end of her life and she is telling her life story that has been very, like, dramatic and publicized and gossiped about to a pretty much like no name journalist that she has seemed to have handpicked for some reason to do this for her. And um, it is, I don't want to give too much away because I think this is kind of like part of the journey, but it does have like LGBT representation um, from I, what well, I think from my perspective was very b- good, like bisexual representation. Mm an explanation of it like when I was reading it I definitely thought it was a book you would like it's it's like a historical fiction told in like a frame story setting where it's like there are scenes in the present day where it's the journalist and the and Evelyn Hugo talking to each other and then the rest is like told from Evelyn Hugo's point of view because it's like her biography you know so the format of it is very interesting I think as well I loved it I read it in like two sittings. oh wow very
0: good I'll have to check that one yeah. out and see if it is actually good bisexual representation or not. Yeah, I cannot.
1: I cannot speak for the bisexual population, but I. Do. I am the arbiter of what
0: isn't isn't
1: good bisexual <laughs> representation. <laughs> uh, so that yeah, that is my yeah. There's the the secret relationship like the. Mm. That was the the, the, re, the excuse I came up with to talk about this book that I absolutely <laughs> loved. I think it's like probably one of my favorite books of all oh, time wow. at this point.
0: It's very good. All right. I'll have to add that one to my TBR. Now that this one's off my TBR where it has been sitting for literally years.
1: <laughs> That's how the... I, yeah, I got this book when it first came out in 2017 and I just read mm-hmm. it. So cool. you know how I do. Pre-order a book and then it just sits there for years. <laughs> That's it for this
0: book. Uh, yes next goodbye like water for chocolate <laughs> see ya later <laughs> um, so next week we are going to be back on Animorphs number not a number because we're reading an off the awesome main series book the hork Chronicles so uh, mm. come check that out and then the week after that we are going to be returning to our listener generated Slavmission unit from Elliot um, who suggested we read Inside the Worm a while back Mm-hmm. As has an example of a book in which there is a that in which there is a theatrical production that overtakes the lives of the characters. Um, and mm-hmm. we had mentioned we were kind of stuck on where to go from there. And Elliot very kindly sent us some more suggestions. So we're going to be. Oh, my gosh. This whole unit is sponsored yeah, by Elliot. Elliot. Thank you so much. <laughs> Elliot really like- coming through clutch, clutch recommendations here, Elliot.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: We're using both of them. <laughs> yeah. So the next one's going to be King of Shadows by Susan Cooper. Um, which is about a boy Mm -hmm. traveling back in time to Elizabethan England and also Midsummer Night's Dream is involved. So that should be fun. Come check that out. Should be good. Uh, Yeah, until then, Animorphs in the meantime.
1: Yeah. So if you need to get in touch with us for any reason whatsoever, if you would like to send us a whole unit's worth of submissions, like our dear listener Elliot, or if you understand the significance of the number 65 in like Water for Chocolate, You can tweet at us at ShelfAwareCast or email us ShelfAwareCast at gmail.com. As always, thank you to Ben Cope for the use of our theme song. You can check out his YouTube channel in our show notes below. And we are also on all your favorite podcast aggregating platforms. So if you haven't followed or subscribed to us on one of those, then I will die and come back as the ghost of (laughs) Mama Elena and haunt you and set your beloved on fire. That's a real threat, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd very much appreciate a five-star review. But if you don't, feel free to talk about us anywhere on the internet your heart desires. And, you know, we still got some stickers. So if you do do that, let us know. We will be very happy to send you some Shuffleware merchandise. (laughs) In the words of Laura Escobar. In a few moments time, Pedro had transformed Tita's breasts from chaste to experienced flesh without even touching them. Gross. (laughs)
0: Gross.
1: (laughs) She's a child, Pedro.
0: He didn't touch them, it's fine.
1: (laughs) No, he just, he just, I fucked them, I guess. Gross. (sighs) Gross. Gross.
0: Liner looks really good today. Um, I've been doing my makeup just so I <laughs> feel something. So I have something to do? Something to do in this <laughs> pandemic?
1: Um. Damn you, isolation. <laughs> <laughs> um.